0: Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. All right, let's continue in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, you can open up your Bibles or follow along on the screen behind me at Mark chapter 10, verse 13-16. to 16. Picking up at verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus, and bless them. Today's sermon title is called Handshakes, High Fives, and Hugs. From what I gather at Classic City Church, we're a hugging group, okay? If you do not like hugs, I'm sorry in advance. Like, it's probably going to happen at some point. Just keep that in mind as we get in today's passage. For many, the Christmas season unlocks a childlike part of our hearts. Um, All of us have, I think, our favorite uh, Christmas movie. Um, There's Elf. There's the Santa Claus, obviously, with Tim Allen, or as my son Joshua likes to call, the time when Santa Claus turns into a dad. (laughs) Not the dad turns into a Santa Claus, but... Santa Claus turns into a dad. There we go. And then there's my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. It's a Christmas movie. It's legit. Okay? It might be magical for Santa Claus to come down a chimney, but it's also magical for John McClane to go squeeze in through an air vent. Okay? And for him to walk on broken glass... That's magic, right there. That's magic, folks. No matter what your favorite Christmas movie is, uh, this Christmas time just kind of there's there's a certain kind of like childlikeness about it uh, that we start to see Christmas through a child's eyes. But unlike pretend magic that we see in the movies, Jesus calls us to a childlike approach to our faith. In verse 15 of today's passage, Jesus says, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Recently, my son Joshua, who is five years old, we were sat around the the, uh, dinner table. Um, uh, Joshua's five, his younger brother, my youngest son, is two, is Lucas, and then um, Esther, my wife. And we were sat together having dinner. Um, which is a little bit chaotic when your kids are, it's more about the discipline and just doing it rather than like enjoying the meal because like every, you know, it's like constant like crazy. Uh, but during the meal, Joshua uh, turned to Esther and I and started asking about a family friend. Uh, she had been widowed. Uh, it was Joshua's former babysitter when he was uh, little and, um, and, and recently her husband, had died. And she, he wanted to ask, he kind of asked, you know, I hope that she isn't lonely and that, you know, she has somebody uh, to be there for her. And he said, can, "May I, can I be excused from the dinner table to go and to pray? And we were like, yeah, man, you can go and pray. Like, Go into the living room and and over there and it's an open it's an open plan or whatever. So Joshua gets down, he goes into the living room, he gets up on the couch and kind of kneels on the on the couch cushion facing the kind of the back of the couch, which like faces out towards our backyard. And he's there praying, and and before he starts praying, he he looks over at us and goes, Don't watch me pray. (laughs) He said, Okay, we won't watch you pray. So we 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 started like eating dinner again, like and trying to like have a conversation and wait till he started and then course we watched him. Of course we watched him. But it was just so sweet that Joshua would volunteer to pray, uh, that he would stop his meal, that he would go over in that moment and that he would pray uh, for this family friend. I thought it was so deep, so meaningful. And I think it's often that way that we can learn actually a lot from watching children, how they interact with their faith. That children are bold in praying. They're bold in approaching Jesus. They see Jesus as a friend. And I somewhere I, I don't know where along the way we get so serious about our faith. Not as bad to be serious, but we get so serious about our faith. Or we lose that childlikeness about our faith or just receiving Jesus into our life. The simplicity, the purity. Uh, it's just beautiful sometimes to see our faith through. Children and what we can learn and how to respond like children do. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In verse 13, our passage starts with people bringing little children to Jesus, it says, for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. It was at this time um, in history that children... Didn't make it very long. That uh, 60% of children in the first century died before the age of 16. That parents themselves were absolutely terrified that their kids weren't going to make it. So, Jesus, as when Jesus comes to town, and this great miracle worker, this great healing, this great healer, the one who just who just has he's, he's healed other children, he raised a little girl from the dead and yet Jesus comes into town so all of the parents, the mothers, the fathers, the aunts, the uncles, they're bringing these three-year-olds, these four-year-olds, these five-year-olds to let Jesus bless them and blessing might be very different for our society today, we, we don't really understand, I think, this concept of blessing. The blessing in Jesus' time, it always reminds me of that story of, of Jacob and Esau, where Jacob, like, sneaks in to, write, like, to, to, uh, to get Isaac's blessing, and, and while Esau's, like, eating a bowl of soup and loses out on this blessing. But blessing was this, this, this kind of this prayer over the child where they would lay hands on them, and it was to impart God's favor over the child. I think whether you choose to get your kids baptized as, as uh, little ones or whether you get them dedicated, that is like an important ceremony where, where we come together as a church and, and we lay hands on the kids and we impart God's favor onto these children. And it was holistic. So this blessing was for the protection and provision. It was for the physical, but it was also for the spiritual. And the disciples, they rebuke Jesus. Or they, rebuke, they don't rebuke Jesus. They rebuke the parents. They say, what are you doing? Jesus doesn't have time for you. Jesus is too important. Well, don't bother him with these children. See, the children in that day, they were like the bottom rung of the totem pole. Um, they were included with women at that time, where women were seen as property. Uh, children were kind of seen as an inconvenience. No, I mean, mom and dad loved them, but um, other than that, like, they didn't wanna, nobody wanted to see them. No one wanted to hear them. Like, just move those children. Which, where'd the crying baby go? Bring the children back. We love the, <laughs> we love the children. But um, no, for real, like, it, it's, it's, it's different today. It's so different today than it was in the first century that maybe mom and dad love these children, but everybody else in society wanted to push them to the margins, like the slave, like the Gentile, like the woman. They were, they were all the bottom of the barrel of society. The, the, the disciples were like, look, don't bring these children over here. Jesus is doing something important. And so Jesus rebukes the rebukers. In verse 14, when Jesus saw this, He was indignant, which means maybe a better word for that nowadays would be irate with his disciples. He said, don't stop them. He said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And the disciples, they are slow learners. Uh, about a month ago, when we were in Mark chapter 9, uh, there was a conversation along the road with the disciples. And if you remember that conversation, the disciples were um, trying to uh, talk about who was the most important. Who's the greatest? Uh, uh, and Jesus overhears this conversation. So he he has a teaching time. He gets in this closed house with his, his disciples. And, and Jesus says, hey, it's not about being first. It's about those who, will, those who will be first will be last and the last will be first and we're to be a servant of all. And Jesus at that time, he took a child. He, he, uh, he took the child, put, it on, put the child on his knee and he hugged the child. And this is what we found in Mark chapter nine. I just kind of want to review this. Jesus said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but, but the one who sent me. So what we see here is that Jesus is actually putting into practice his teaching. That children for Jesus is important. And the disciples, they didn't get this. They're saying, okay, well, Jesus taught this. Okay, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we want to make Jesus our important king. We want to make Jesus our important earthly king. Right? He's going to drive out the Romans. He's going to do this and this and this. And Jesus is saying, No, I'm not going to do it like that. Let these little children come to me. They matter to me. And Jesus says uh, in this passage, He says, The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Who are these such as these? So again, it's the people like the children. It's the women. It's the people who are marginalized. It's the people that have no return on investment. The children in that society, they didn't matter to society until they could actually work, until they could produce something, until they could give something back. And then they belonged in society. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's not a, no. It doesn't matter what these people can produce. These people, this is who my kingdom belongs to. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. If you look at Mark chapter nine or sorry, Mark chapter 10 in, in not next week, because next week will be Christmas and, there, and there's not a Christmas story in Mark. So we'll borrow from Luke uh, next week. But when we come back from Christmas Eve um, the next passage is the rich young ruler. And if you don't know the story about the rich young ruler, it's about this rich guy who goes to Jesus and he's obeyed all of the commands. He's followed all of the 10 commandments, right? He has, uh, he has power, he has wealth, he has status, right? He has everything, right? And so Jesus says, have you obeyed all my commands? If you, if you, if you want to receive me, if you want to follow me, And then Jesus gives them this one liner and says, go sell all your possessions and give them to the four and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler walks away so sad because he can't give up his wealth. Right. He walks away sad. Jesus is sad. It's like this and it comes off the back of this passage. Isn't it very interesting that the children, they have, they have nothing to offer, nothing to give. They've got no power, no status, no position. And the rich young ruler had absolutely everything and yet couldn't get the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God belongs to that of a child. Think about the child. The child couldn't even bring themselves to Jesus right? The parent, these three-year-olds, these four-year-olds, these five-year-olds, their parents had to bring them along to Jesus. I think today's passage is one of the best explanations or one of the best insights to God's grace, right? We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do. We just have to receive it like a gift, like a child on Christmas morning. It's God's unmerited favor in our lives. It's God's riches at Christ's expense, right? All right? It's about what God has done in our lives, not about what we can do. We just have to be open and to receive it into our lives. In verse 16, it says, And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So my question for us today is how are you accepting Jesus in your life? And I've kind of thought of three different ways that we can receive Jesus in our life or try to receive Jesus in our life. It can be like a handshake, it can be a high five, or it can be a hug. See a handshake, a handshake represents Jesus as an acquaintance, right? When we're new to somebody, when we're just getting to know somebody, what do we do? We shake hands with them, right? We, we treat them like, like, hey, it's nice to meet you. It's new to meet you. And, but it's not an intimate, it's not a close relationship. We're not treating them necessarily like family. And maybe you feel like God has let you down, In a certain situation, or maybe you had a chapter of your life or you've gone through something where you're like, you've just been through a really hard time. And so you want to stay a safe distance from Jesus. And so you're you're happy to shake hands with Jesus, but you don't want to let Jesus just get too close to you. Maybe it's for a self-preservation reason. Maybe you feel like Jesus will let you down. And so you keep Jesus at an arm's length. I know another thing that, that, that people tend to do is they have this thing where they say, um, oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy, I'll, I'll come to church or uh, I'll, I'll get a little bit more serious. I just got to get some things sorted first in my life. I've got to get right with God. I've got to do these things and then I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll be with God, but like, I really need to kind of work on these things and then I'll let Jesus come a little bit closer into my life. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't, you've got to just accept where you're at and let Jesus come close to you. That we try to keep Jesus at this handshake distance, right? And some of us, we, we, had this, we have Jesus up here in our minds, but we're not really in love with Jesus. We're not having that close, that intimate relationship with Jesus that we treat Jesus like an acquaintance in our lives. We keep him at a safe distance, And then there's the high five. What do we do with children when they do something good? They score a basketball goal or they do well in their soccer game or they learn something new. They actually do their chores. They actually pick up their rooms. That never happens, right? They don't throw food at the dinner table. I don't know how it gets on the floor all the time. It's always on the floor. I think it's Esther. No, it's not (laughs) Esther. It's dad. It's dad, really. Dad's a slob. Right, we high five kids like when they do something good, and that's okay. So you can have Jesus as an as an acquaintance with a handshake, but a high five is all about um, approval. It's about winning approval. Like, good job, buddy! Great to see you. Like, high five! Awesome job out there! Great job! Way to do your chores! Way to way to do good in that game or whatever. And we're trying to earn God's right and God's approval into our lives, but that's not how we receive grace. That grace is this great gift that God gives us for what he has done through his death and his resurrection. It's nothing that we've done. It's just something that we have to accept. So we we try to receive God as a handshake. We try to receive God with a high five. But the only way to receive the kingdom is through a hug. The only way that we can receive Jesus is by letting him scoop us up where we're at putting him on, letting us sit on his knee and giving us a big hug. Is it any wonder that in in Luke's gospel, Jesus gives the story about the kingdom of God as in a son, a lost son who runs away, The the story of the prodigal son, maybe you guys are familiar with that. It's a son who does everything wrong in the book, runs off, goes and does a bunch of wild living, does everything that's like possibly hurtful to his father, and yet ret- returns home with his tail between his legs. Sorry, remorseful. But what does the father do? The father comes out, scoops up his lost son, and gives him a big hug. Throws a party for his son before because his son was once lost. But now he was found. He thought he was dead, but he is alive. And what does the father do? The son hasn't done anything. He doesn't deserve a high five. It's not a handshake. It's a hug. What does the father do? He puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and a robe around him, kills the fattened calf, and they have an amazing party. That to receive Jesus means that we have to let him just hug us to love us, to accept us where we are at, not where we should be. That's how we receive the kingdom of God. We have to let us, like a little child, we have to receive it like a present on Christmas morning. Nothing we can do, nothing we deserve it. We just have to let Jesus hold us. But it's not only just about how we receive the kingdom of God, but it's also how we share the kingdom of God with others. So, my second question for us today is Are you ready to embrace those who Jesus embraced? I think sometimes we try to shake hands with people, that we keep people at a safe distance from us. Well, they're not like us. So, I mean, I'm glad they came to church, but I don't know, do we really want them to be part of the, our church? Or sometimes we do mission in the name of service projects where we do something good for somebody else. We do somebody's landscaping. We spread a bit of mulch, but we don't really get to know anybody. And I think often it's this kind of handshake distance where it's this thing that we can do to make us feel good about ourselves. And yeah, we are doing something really, really good. But we don't have to get really un- we don't have to get uncomfortable and get close to really people's lives to really get to know them and you know know like the stuff that's going on in their lives. And so, you know, we we can just kind of keep them at a distance and we can do some of these really good things, but I don't know. I don't know if I really want to hug these people like this. That's a bit much. And so we can handshake people and welcome them to church, or we can give them a hug and welcome them. His family. See, I think service, service kind of these um, things like, um, you know, service projects and things like that, they're, they're, they're fine to do, but it really, if it doesn't go any deeper than that, it's really, it's, it's surface level kingdom work. If you think about the Christmas story, you know, Jesus didn't say, oh, well, I just, from heaven, I'll just forgive your sins down there. You guys, you guys are all right. You guys good? Okay, I'll forgive you. I mean, God can do anything, right? But what did Jesus do? Jesus left his place of honor, walked among the people, joined us in the mess of our world, and gave his life on the cross for you and for me. That the message version in John says that, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Are we willing to get that close to people? Or do we leave them at a handshake distance? Or are we just wanting to high five people into our church? Well, yeah, you can come and be along to my club. As long as you, you know, drop off your money over there and you serve coffee on a Sunday or you help out with the kids church. But if you're going to be a part of this church, we're going to put you to work. So as long as you have something to offer here, we've got a spot for you. Do we handshake people? Do we high-five people, or are we hugging people to become a family together? Take time to share a meal or a coffee with somebody. Not just invite people to church, but inviting people into our homes and into our lives. Because the truth is, hurting and lost people in our world don't need a superficial club to join. They need a church family to come home to. That no matter how far away they've wandered or how far away they've run, that this church welcomes them with open arms and says, you are loved, you matter, you belong here. At this time, I'd love to invite uh, Roy back up. We're going to share in a time of communion together. During our last song. And just as a reminder, uh, friendly reminder that we, um, as you come up, there'll be a line on this side. You just feel as during the last song, as you feel ready, uh, just come up on your own and uh, you can take the bread and then you're going to dip it into the juice. Okay. If you eat it, you will get another piece of bread. There's lots of grace. You get another, get another, you get another wafer, and you can have a retry, okay? Um, but then just uh, yeah, dip it into the juice, um, and uh, that's the way it can come up during, um, when you feel led uh, during our last song. But, you know, this is a meal that we celebrate where we come together as family. Yeah, we take it as individuals, but we take it together as family. And if you are new to this church... Um, and you are a follower of Jesus, if you are from a different denomination or background, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are more than welcome to come and join in this meal with us. I'm going to read out the words of Jesus now, and then I'll ask um, our communion assistants to come forward. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, our Lord took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And as you come forward this morning, just receive Jesus. Receive him like a child, not with a handshake, not with a high five or a fist pump, but as a big hug because that's how much Jesus loves you. Please stand with me. I'm going to pray for us and then Roy will lead us in our last song. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to receive you just afresh in our lives, God. Lord, I pray that no matter where we're at, God, Lord, I pray that we would receive you and your kingdom like a child. Lord, help us to have that childlike faith, that all things are possible with you. Lord, I pray that Jesus, this season, Lord, we just embrace you. Lord, that we turn to you. Lord, that even though you stand at the door and knock, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be fully open to receive what you have for us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.